This is part two of episode two, Gender, Booze, and Violence. And the conversation continues with Kevin Vowles. Some of the reasons that binge drinking may happen in our culture may be because of stress. You know, uh, we live in a generation where we look at society and there's so many things that we want to do and impress and you know to be cool you got to drink or to release some certain type of stress you got to drink so when it comes to drinking boys should be better drinkers than girls that is what society inflicts and thus boys are pressured to consume more alcohol than women so for instance while girls try to keep up with boys, boys have to be able to outdrink girls in, in that sense. And it's that pressure that pushes them to keep doing it and to keep consuming more and more alcohol. Uh, uh, yes, I feel that men and boys are pressured to drink more than girls and women because it's just the way society has been shaped over... Uh, a span of time. What else are we going to talk about today? If you're still ready to rock with me, we're going to start talking about some TBIs. Okay. All yep. right. Well, you know, let's talk gender and TBIs, traumatic brain okay. injuries. You know, this is another area where men are disproportionately represented in the stats. What's creating such a significant difference between men and women and traumatic brain injuries? Well, uh, well, I mean, I was as startled, I'm sure, as, as anybody to, to read the statistic around the gender difference in terms of traumatic brain injury. And uh, uh, men are 3.4 times as likely to experience traumatic brain injury, uh, so head injury. Um, than than women and um, I guess I, I'll say I was startled but then I guess I should say that I'm not so startled you know uh, there's there's a lot happening with gender uh, and traumatic brain injury right uh, one of the things that men and boys are socialized into is is taking extreme risks and uh, though not everybody does not not every young man does. Um, certainly there are many young men who are living a much healthier uh, masculinity. Uh, than I ever did when I was growing up in terms of risk-taking. But again, it's like uh, you picture uh, uh, cliff jumping, for example. You know, there's a group of young men at a cliff. They're not sure exactly the water below them, but people are jumping. It's it's the same thing playing out again. Like, what if a young man says, you know, I don't feel this is safe. I'm, I'm going to take a pass, thanks. Well, he's going to get policed with, with sexist rhetoric again, right? And, and you know, I... I, I, I kite surf as we've talked about and mm. um, I have lots of uh, I have lots of guys that I know who kite surf and have gotten some really 
serious injuries. Um, I, I never have, and I like to jump. Uh, I, I like to go 20, 30 feet high in the air. Um, oh, wow. And I've, I've, I've had some hard landings, but I've never <laughs> broken anything. Um, and, but I know, I know lots of men who have, and it's, it's like a, Sometimes it's like when, I, when I'm going down to the beach, it's, it's like it's a, an episode of high school playing out that mm. <laughs> I don't like. The um, social dynamic, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, sometimes there are formalized competitions to see who can jump the highest and do the craziest tricks. And then sometimes right. it's just like a day at the beach. There's this one move, it's, it's called the mega loop. And it's when you go 30 plus feet up in the air, even 40 feet high. Um, and then you, you crank the kite and and the kite suddenly goes uh parallel across the water so it shoots down wind and, and of course you go with it right so it's like picture you, you go up and then you you bend 90 degrees and you go straight across the top of the water and then you come oh, down wow. well <clears throat> quite a few um men i know have um broken their femurs doing this and and so I think that uh, you know toxic masculinity definitely encourages high risk behavior and traumatic brain injury. I was a really aggressive mountain biker. I guess until I was about twenty one, I was living in Montreal, uh, attending university there, and I was not into organized sports. Um, and uh, one of the few things that I could find to really get the energy out of me that was in me was to go mountain biking. Um, with lots of mountain biking trails and and great, great, awesome riding. And so one day I was going down this trail and uh, I was going much too fast. Um, I was getting pretty comfortable and, and aggressive with the riding. And uh, I had a, I had been wearing a helmet since I was 13. My parents insisted on it because I kept, I kept on having so many bike crashes when I was a kid. And, uh, I think they knew that I was probably going to not, not make it out of uh, high school alive without one or university anyway. Good call, parents. Uh, yeah, good call. <laughs> good call. Bright yellow brain bucket, grade eight, most popular kid ever. <laughs> no, I was not. Um, anyways, I'm flying down this hill uh, six or seven years later in Montreal, and, and I the, the trail all of a sudden got covered. There were leaves, and they were covering rocks, and the wheel did a perpendicular 90 degree turn and I flew off the bike and I was clipped in and uh, I came down hard on a rock uh, with my head and uh, split the helmet right up the side Um, and I was lying on the ground um, kind of banged up and scraped up but really none the worse for wear considering yeah walked away and a year later um, got a job here in British Columbia where I now live, teaching sailing with the Disabled Sailing Association of British Columbia. And uh, uh, I was also a very aggressive skier, downhill skier, and um, that job really changed things because I began meeting young men in their 20s and 30s uh, in wheelchairs with uh, uh, paralyzed, right? And a couple of them were from skiing uh, crashes that they'd mm-hmm. had. One of them actually got paralyzed going down a run that just a few months earlier I'd looked at and gone, uh-uh. <laughs> not I'm, me. I'm, I'm, not me. <laughs> nope, nope. That's too steep for an Ontario kid out here. Oh. Not doing that. No way. You know, I, right. I, I lost that sense of invincibility. Okay. You know, is that I'm what it glad. is? Well, yeah, it was for me that, that like, when I flew off that bike, I was like, I think I thought I was invincible until then. Um, 
like I could, I could fall off a bike and I'd be fine. But I was like that when I, when my head hit, I was like, Oh boy, if I hadn't been wearing the helmet, I, I know that I would not, I would not be, um, I would not be doing anything and I might even not be here uh, at all. And so I think that that, that shifted my sense of invincibility as did working with people who had been paralyzed. Um, there were also uh, young men with traumatic brain injury in that sailing program. Um, and as there are in the party program, we work with lots of young men, uh, most of them, um, you know, with traumatic brain injury from uh, substance use and driving. Okay. Um, is, is the big one. And uh, one young man that we're working with right now up in Naimo to bring him in as a speaker, um, really um, nice, nice young guy in his late 20s. Um, and uh, one of the things that we're trying to counter is the idea, the myth that it's okay to drive under intoxicated uh, under the influence of uh, marijuana. Because, of course, with the legalization, um, there's been a, a rise in usage and popularity in this country. And many people are under the impression that it's okay to smoke pot and drive. Um, and, and, of course, we know it's not. Uh, our reaction time is dramatically diminished. Um, totally delayed, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally delayed. Um, and and this young man actually was doing 160 kilometers an hour when he hit a I think a tree um, I've never seen a vehicle quite as destroyed um, as that vehicle and, and I was I was in a near fatal crash as a teenager um, as a passenger I was not driving the vehicle um, and we the driver she lost control of the truck uh, doing 90 kilometers an hour on black ice and we rolled it into a lake uh, half a dozen times um, and that vehicle was destroyed. Like just, you roll a vehicle multiple times. It's, it's wild to really look at it. But, but this, this vehicle that he, he, he destroyed, um, you know, it, it was like, you could almost not even recognize it as a vehicle. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't, it was a Ford focus. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know, I didn't even know how he walked away, um, wow. from, from that ever, um, at, at 160 kilometers an hour. But, um, yeah, it's, it's reconciling the, the reality that traumatic brain injury, uh, sexual violence, um, all these things have a very gendered, um, reality is, is, is I believe very important, right? Because it's about who, who do we really target with the messaging? Of course, everybody's getting it, right? right? It's important that everybody's in the room, but who is the messaging most important for um, and and I really think uh, that the way that masculinity is indoctrinating young men with very uh, unsafe and unhealthy and toxic norms and expectations um, is something that when we address uh, we can really begin to turn the tide around traumatic injury incredible no you're absolutely right Kevin I, I think it's it's definitely important for us to be more specific and to have the stats um, support the work that's needed to be done to prevent traumatic injury in youth, but specifically uh, to take a look at who it's re who's really being um, affected 
when we're talking about traumatic brain injuries, when we're speaking about uh, motor vehicle collisions, and then of course, sexual violence. I would like to wrap up with um, a little activity. It's a root cause analysis. So the scenario is that a person gets into their vehicle impaired and start driving and they crash. So the question is, why have they crashed? Well, I mean, let's start with, um, I, I always like to start with what, what got somebody into the situation in the first place, right? Um, I, I think people are drawn out to, um, to participate in social gatherings uh, with intoxicated uh, states. Um, because this is the social dynamic at play in our society and culture, right? Mm -hmm. um, we, we see this all over the place, right? People want a sense of belonging. So the reason that they're there in the first place is not bad, right? And I, I have all the empathy in the world for young men as to why these things happen and what's going on, right? Um, you know, there, there, there could be lots of factors at play as to why somebody makes that choice to, to get uh, behind the wheel and to drink and drive, right? There may be teenagers who don't have parents that they can call. Either the parents are working, the parents are uh, not going to respond positively. In fact, they could get very upset. They could even be violent against the teenager. Mm -hmm. um, the teenager may not have enough money to get a taxi for everybody. Uh, there may be no way for it people to pay for the taxi at the end of the night. That's um, right. Right. Um, I think of course, all these things can be, um, you know, the, the, the messaging around the, the ultimate consequences, the visit to the morgue can, can really drive home that there's, there's always a better choice that can be made. Even if it's like, you know, we, we've got to wait until morning and we've all mm -hmm. got to sleep on the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. you know, um, but of course, then then there's the, you know, why would somebody willingly get behind the wheel drunk? Um, and and I've, of course, there's the gender dynamics there that are at play. Somebody may be afraid uh, because of the social consequences, um, you know, um, the the comments which would uh, question somebody's masculinity, um, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, uh, would lead them to potentially get into the car like we've talked about. Yes. Um, and, and then there's the simple biology that's going on in the human brain, right? Right. Um, where, where people, their decision-making is impacted. They think that uh, they're more capable than they really are. It's, it's, a, it's a substance that sometimes I've said, it's almost designed. It's design leads people down the path quite readily um, mm -hmm. to making bad decisions like, driving drunk um, it doesn't cause it it's not what's causing it I, I believe that people are still very accountable for the decisions that they make and nobody should get a free pass on that but it, it definitely is is a it's a problematic substance in that way I think the other thing that we need to look at is the simple reality that um, we simply do not have um, adequate uh, checks in place in communities across the country. If people knew that uh, 110% that they were going to drive through a road check um, and get busted, well, they wouldn't get behind the wheel, would they? Probably They're simply not. not. 
there's simply not enough policing. You know, I, it still baffles me that we can have a substance like this causing this much mayhem and harm. You know, 1,500 deaths a year in Canada, 60,000 mm-hmm. traumatic injuries, and we still don't have a device attached to every vehicle that you blow into, that you have to blow into to start the vehicle. Have AI help us out in that area. So when you were talking about policing, it's not necessarily having more uh, police officers on the roads per se, but like there's um, a a mechanism, a a actual true injury prevention mechanism, like a breathalyzer attached to a car in order for it to start, will be the most, um, maybe the most efficient way um, to ensure that we don't have impaired drivers behind the wheel and potentially putting other people at risk and themselves, of course. Yeah, I, I think that would be the best thing. I mean, if you look at the, the, the actual financial costs of this, um, you know, of traumatic injury to the healthcare system, of the deaths, how, how, how could it be um, that, that it's more expensive to install a device on every car? Uh, like, I just, I, I can't believe that it would cost um, more to do that than the cost of injury you know, and get it something that's only as like a last result with like habitual offenders. Um, it makes, it makes no sense to me. And I, I think that we're, we're heading there, like you say, with, with artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. um, you know, insurance companies are already on this where um, if you install an app on your phone that tracks your driving habits, you get a reduction in, in insurance costs. If uh, like, I think TV has this. No, that's um, right. Uh, yeah, your your insurance costs go down if you can prove that you're a safer driver. Um, I know Volvo is just implementing governors on cars um, to not allow the vehicle to go past 180 kilometers an hour, um, though that's <laughs> still quite a clip for a car to be moving. Um, it's better than, you know, the car being able to do 260 um, you know, which we know some of the extreme uh, speed speeds that that motorists fly, especially in Ontario on that uh, 401 series highway. Um, even, yeah. even with even with the fines and the 150, the 50 over rule, um, people are still out there doing it, right? And um, so I think that uh, technology, I hope, will uh, catch up to where we are maybe dropping the ball a little. Sure, where our gaps are, definitely, I think. Yeah. Um, you're not the first person to say that, you know, the cost of uh, injury and this nation is incredible. And if we could take those funds and find a way in which we can prevent it, and it may call for more upstream approaches. So before, mm-hmm. so let's not have the deaths. Let's not have all these injured patients before we actually make a move in the direction to actually uh, remedy this issue that we have every year. I, I, I'm optimistic, you know, still that, that great change is underfoot and yeah. that, um, especially when we're talking about shifting uh, toxic masculinity, you know, I, I really do see that uh, young men, they, you know, say feeling safe is one of our shared common needs as humans. And I really mm-hmm. do think that young men see that they know that and that they want different from what is presented to them um, in terms of a social structure that they're inheriting. And um, so I think the future is bright and I think we just need to keep step by step plugging away and we're going to get there. I think we're going to see some really amazing changes in our lifetime and um, I think the future is bright. 
I'm absolutely with you, Kevin, on that. I'm also optimistic. I agree with you. The future is very much so bright. And um, definitely um, we are, as a society, making the right steps, I feel, um, to ensure that uh, we can prevent injury and and keep each other safe. Oh, a few things that you said uh, during this episode is that, you know, awareness is extremely important having dialogues with young people to give them the opportunity to engage in the conversation around substance use and what does injury prevention look like. And I know you spoke a lot and drew a lot from the party program to prevent alcohol and risk-related trauma in youth program to be a, a great space to have these conversations. You did speak about policing gender norms and that being uh, quite damaging to young men and young boys as they navigate in the world. Um, and might be the motivating factor as to why they make may make some of the decisions that they make. So I'm just wondering, is there anything else you want to leave us with? I think I would just leave you with some gratitude for uh, having me uh, on this podcast. And uh, I always feel really uh, overwhelmed and grateful when uh, asked to do something like this. And uh, it's, it's just so amazing to be part of the party program because it, it's creating change and really meaningful mm-hmm. change. And uh, so I'll just say thank you for having me and uh, having this conversation. I think it's fantastic. Thanks for joining the conversation. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Injury is Not Equal. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Let's Talk Injury. If you found this episode valuable, please subscribe, rate, and review it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's more to come. I hope you'll join us.